Blog Talk Radio. Om Shabbat Shalom, Holy Way of the Most High. Om Shabbat Shalom, I sense your presence. Om Shabbat Shalom, Holy Way of the Most High. Om Shabbat Shalom, I sense your presence. And I am the light within your soul In the essence of truth and right Love makes the circle whole And here we stand in line Waiting for some sacred sign But to find the balance is the purpose of this time to restore the balance of the universal mind And in the presence of my Lord of light and love Everything I see aspiring to be free And when I call to thee And come on bending knee Surrender to the all-pervading light and love Reflections of the one surrounding me with love And I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence Within and without, above and below, yeah. East, west, north, and south, I sense your presence. Without and within, below and above, yeah, yeah. East, west, north, and south, I sense your presence. I sense your presence. Of 
Able to find a balance is the purpose of this time To restore the balance of the universal mind I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence My name is Jesse Ann Nichols-George, and I'm your hostess today. The music you were listening to at the beginning of the show was called I Sense Your Presence by Shem Shai, and I want to extend a welcome to everybody that's listening with us here today, um, whether you're listening for the very first time or whether you've listened to the show and you like what we do here and you're coming back to see what we're doing today. We do also stream live in three additional places, Talk Stream Live, StreamFinder, and Pen, also known as Pair Encounters Network. And I welcome everyone listening to those channels as well. In addition to those that are catching our podcasts, which uh, are available through iTunes, TuneIn.com, and also will be up on my YouTube channel in about a week to two weeks, somewhere in that time frame. Here at Activating Compassion Radio, what I do is I look at the different ways that compassion exists in our lives, how to remove our blocks, resistances, frustrations, and more. And some weeks what I'm doing is discussing different aspects of how compassion is in our life and affects our life and the different areas of compassion. And then some weeks I do more exercises or practical implementations. And a lot of times I have really great guests on the show. And that way you get a chance to learn how other people's work complements and works with compassion. And certainly I've got a great guest on today, Cynthia Mazzaparo. Oh, I hope I don't struggle with that name too much. I think I'm going to be good, though. <laughs> and then sometimes I do highlight a lot of wonderful musical artists. So we've had Stephen Halpern, Peter Cater on in the past. Um, this year I've been mu- making my musical artists coordinate with the turning of the seasons, and I've had Woven Green on at the Spring Equinox. I had Angelia Green at the day. I've got um, coming up some really great people that that you'll definitely want to stay tuned for and and watch for. Here at Activating Compassion, um, you know, what I do, again, we just look at all these different aspects of how compassion fits in our life, taking that big concept, putting it into everyday life. In my own work, what I do is focus on helping people find and use compassion in their everyday life. I have created the Genesis Clearing Statement, and if you've missed that, you can catch that where other people have interviewed me and see how that works. 
Also, going to my webpage, you'll find it on there, information on it there. I've authored four books, the most recent being You, Me, Life, Dreams, and its companion workbook, and then my first two books, Activating Compassion and its companion workbook. In addition, I've created the Compassion Tour, which is a multi-state nationwide tour, including workshops, retreats, seminars, book signings, and fundraising events. And I am on tour now. As a matter of fact, I'm coming to you from the North Shores Library in the Muskegon area of Michigan, getting ready to head on up to Traverse City tonight. And I'll be in Traverse City, Michigan all weekend long, uh, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And I'm doing four workshops back-to-back on Saturday, so going from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. And then Sunday and Monday I'm taking private session work uh, there. And that's going to be at Higher Self. So if you're anywhere around that region, well, they even stop in and say hi and, and say, hey, I've been listening to your show and I just wanted to come meet you in person. And I love that. I love when people show up, uh, whether I know they're coming or not. So it's really great. A reminder, if you do enjoy the show today, which I'm sure you're going to, make certain you tell your friends, you know, share it out there on social media and things, you know, wherever you feel inspired to share it. Because I find it seems like a really simple thing to do that, but there's always a life that I touch when I share a show. And there's always somebody that comes back and goes, man, I was just feeling, you know, cruddy, and then I listened to that show with your guest, Cynthia, and everything turned around for me, or, you know, wow, that was just the perfect topic, I've got a relative dealing with that, and, you know, so you just never know. You might be literally saving a life or changing a life just by clicking the share button. And they can use the same link to come into the show that you did to get into our live show today. It's going to be available as soon as we finish today, so it's it's available right away. And I also keep those archived shows on my page of the Main Street Universe tab of my website, which, by the way, is Jesse Ann Nichols George, the number one dot com. Now, those that have listened before, before we get started here, one of the things I like to do is delve into a little book called The 72 Names of God. It's by Yehuda Berg. And I love Yehuda's work because he does things kind of the way I do. He takes the big concepts, makes them apply to everyday life. And I love because the message is always applied. You know, I just kind of go through the book and whatever shows up for that week is what shows up, but it always fits perfectly, which is my music does that. <laughs> I don't look. I just go down the list and say what's next in line, and, and my work with Yehuda does that. So this week uh, for today's show, we have Great Expectations. And that's the common name of God that we're dealing with today. And by the way, if you like these, these go up on my page of the Main Street Universe tab on my website. You can go back and reflect on them throughout the week, which is really cool. I do it all the time. So um, I like to get back and work with the message for a whole week. So what he starts off with here is when you expect the world from your friends, your family, or from life, and they don't deliver, call upon this name for some answers. And the insight that he gives with this is, why do our most positive actions often go unrewarded for long periods of time? Kabbalah teaches that this is to allow a space for a free will to shine forth. Within this space, great expectations creep in to challenge us. Tests of faith confront us. We expect a quick return on our spiritual investment. But when time delays it, we become doubtful, deeply disappointed, hopeless, 
and helpless. But we have free will to rise above these clouds of doom and gloom. By exercising this free will, we can truly earn our good fortune. Sometimes, of course, this can be an extremely difficult task. And a great expectation is a formidable adversary. The key to fulfillment is to simply shift our concentration away from results and expectations. Instead, we focus upon resisting our own impulsive reactions, which are nothing more than robotic responses to a given situation. In the moment that we resist expectation, we have exercised the sacred trait of free will. The ego is no longer in control. We are. And that opens wide the door to all possibilities. And the meditation that he gives with this is, by meditating on this name, you gain control over the power of time in your life. Instead of constantly demanding more of tomorrow, you appreciate what you have and what you are right now. False and self-seeking expectations are cast out. So again, the common thing that we're dealing with today is great expectation, and the formal name is Aleph Yud Ayan. Aleph Yud Ayan. Another message from Yehuda this week. So very, very cool. Very happy to share that. And moving on, we're going to get a little thought going here to kind of get us in the flow of where we're headed today and what we're dealing with today. So this will give you a little something to think about before we go on break here. Do you busy yourself? looking for something outside of yourself to solve your challenges. And do you believe that you will have the power you need when you achieve this or are able to do that? Do you avoid connecting with your power because you don't feel ready to make the necessary changes or are afraid of what it will be like to have that connection? So many times I see people that are intellectually are ready to connect to their personal power But when it comes time to do the work, it's like the brakes are put on hard and fast. And excuses show up from everywhere of why they can't do something. For many, it seems that there are hidden fears and perhaps judgments of what it means to have this connection. Fear of having to be more accountable. Fear that life won't be as fun. Fear of not being able to use the power wisely once they have it. Now, these might sound silly on the surface. However, if we're honest with ourselves, many of us have probably come face-to-face with those very fears on our spiritual path. And there are judgments that we have to become stoic, solemn, and silent a good portion of the time. And all of life seems to have stereotypes, although few seem to be founded in the truth and are usually only considering a couple of aspects. It's interesting to me to know how many people choose to live in a powerless or victim space, waiting for all their issues, challenges, and problems to get solved for them, or even how many people pull away from their path because they don't want to be accountable for themselves. Coming from my current place of understanding, I can understand the thoughts and feelings and also realize that there is no place that is more fun, enjoyable, and wonderful to be in. And I would tend to say that partly this is because people associate being accountable for the whole world 
and everything and everyone in it. In reality, it is about simply taking care of our own self and being accountable for us. We cannot account for everyone else, and they've got to do that themselves. However, in our own personal connection with our own power, we can become a living example of how wonderful that space can be. Cynthia Mazzaferro is one person that has chosen to help people find and connect with their personal power. And she strives to help them move out of their victim patterns and their sense of helplessness on their journey of life. And she reminds people that they hold the power to create a wonderful life for themselves, no matter what. And I think that this is so important on so many levels. As we step out of our helpless spaces, we automatically become help. The Earth's energy becomes lighter, and that makes it easier for it to take care of itself. We are also able to connect with the truth of who we are instead of all the distortions that so many choose to surround themselves with. In this space of empowerment, and this opens the door for us to live a life that we can love and appreciate and enjoy fully. What have you used to get out of victim spaces? And how does your life shift when you connect with your own inner power? And how do you feel when you are connected with and using your own inner power? This week, our guest focuses on a component of compassion related to the aspect in my books of loving self. And this reminds us that it's important to love ourselves each and every minute of the day, even when life isn't feeling good, especially when life isn't feeling good. We need to love ourselves. When loving ourselves, we find our true power. I'm going to take a short break, and when we return, I will have Cynthia Mazzaferro with me, and we're going to be looking at her work on The Power Within. And I've actually got two songs for you during our break today called I'm Living in Your Shadow and Here We Are, and they're both by Claire Hedin. And you can check out more of Claire's work on her website, www.clairehedin.com. That's C-L-A-R-E. H-E-D-I-N dot com. And we'll be back in just a couple of minutes. living in your shadow and it is much fun. Living in your shadow and why I have to gone. I'm living in your shadow. It's really not much fun. Sitting in the background. I'm watching you forward in the passion of each day. Sitting in the background fading right away. Fading right away. Sitting in the background, fading right away. 
And here we go with just the other little piece here. Here we are. We'll be right back. Activating Compassion Radio, and my name is Jessie Ann Nichols-George, and I'm your hostess today. You were just listening to two songs by Claire Hedin, and I really appreciate Claire for allowing her to, allowing me to use her music on the show. She was a guest of mine way back in the, the very first <laughs> set of shows that I did, um, so you know, I greatly appreciate that. And um, those were called I'm Living in Your Shadow, and Here We Are, and you can again check out more of her work at uh, clairehedin.com that's www.c-l-a-r-e-h-e-g-i-n.com and today I have with me Cynthia Mazzaferro and she's a transformational presenter coach and energy practitioner she's been teaching and inspiring thousands for over 30 years and has created three essential keys to find the power within she is a Reiki master retired physical therapist, and previous owner of Ergonomic and Educational Company. Cindy is a unique, in, ha, Cindy has a unique ability to extrapolate from you vital information that helps to identify your soul lessons and empower you to take steps to embrace opportunities to grow and evolve as a soul. We're discussing today Cynthia's work in emotional energetics and eager I am just twisted up today. <laughs> Ergonomics and how using the power within process will give you results way beyond your wildest imagination. 
Cindy will be offering a special gift to gift today also to listeners, so you will not want to miss this fabulous opportunity to stay tuned throughout the whole show. You can learn more about her work at www.cynthiamazafero.com. That's C-Y-N-T-H-I-A-M-A-Z-Z-A-F-E-R-R-O.com. Or you can also go to thepowerwithinprograms.com. And that's T-H-E-P-O-W-E-R-W-I-T-H-I-N-P-R-O-G-R-A-M-S.com, just like it sounds. Uh, she's also got a Facebook page that you can check out, The Power Within, Cynthia Mazzaferro. And Cindy's upcoming book, The Power Within, Three Essential Keys to a Vibrant, Passionate, and Empowered You, is going to be available coming up in 2016. So you definitely want to follow up with this work here. Now I'm going to get her mic opened up. And Cynthia, welcome so much to Activating Compassion Radio. Thank you so much, Jesse. It's really an honor to be here with you and your guests. And, you know, this is this is great because the last couple of weeks I've had some pretty intense topics going on. <laughs> we've had some topics about depression, and then we've had some very intense inward sacred attention type things. And, and I think you're going to probably end up lightening the show up a little bit. But before we really get going here, I'd love for you to share a little bit about um, your journey into what you're doing and, you know, why this modality? What led you to this thing as opposed to all the other options that are out there? Great. Thank you for asking. Well, let me tell you, I when I was a young child, I always felt my hands were very special. And I used to say it to my mom. And I went into medicine. I was turned into a physical therapist and um, felt that was my calling. But early on, when I was about seven years old, my parents got divorced. And my father had been an uh, Air Force pilot and wasn't really around much. And as we all have life, we always have um, situations that occur that influence us possibly in a positive way and also in a negative way. It's how we perceive it. And so when my parents got divorced, I really perceived that as a um, rejection, abandonment. You know, what did I do wrong? I wasn't enough to have him leave me. And I actually had four other sisters. So we had five beautiful little girls aging from nine years old to nine months old, and he left us all. And talk about rejection and feeling abandoned. And throughout my whole childhood, adult life, and even into my married life where I had children, I had different times where I struggled with wanting to have male affirmation. I needed a man to tell me I was a wonderful woman. Um, And even when I had my own business and I worked with CEOs and engineers and did training with their employees, which were often men, um, and I was getting all these acclamations and um, feeling really great about myself and my business, there was this inner part of me that still was not satisfied. And I started to do my own spiritual work, my own personal work as to why is it that I was finding that I wasn't feeling adequate, I wasn't feeling satisfied within myself no matter how much people would say you're, you know, that's a great idea and everything that was should make me feel good. And during my personal journey, I actually realized that 
You can have a million people tell you you're wonderful, but until you find your word, yourself wonderful, you will never be. And so as I started working with my patients and clients later on, I started hearing my patients start to tell me about what was going on in their life during their rehabilitation. And I often found that their stories in their personal lives often had a connection, not always, but often had a connection to the physical symptoms that they were having. And so we can go into a little bit later into a, uh, the connection of there, but that our bodies are very porous, they're like a sponge, and we take in information. We take in information from our families, our spouses, our religions, uh, culture, um, government, institution, education, and then we also take on our own perception of things, which has a whole emotional component to it. And with all of these information being absorbed into you, it affects who we become and who we kind of mold and transform. And often that's not in harmony with who we truly are as an essence and as our soul. And so we create a discord, a disconnect of who we are. And so we become discompassionate to ourselves because we're not in that harmonic, energetic flow that is continuous. And so it's coming back to finding that inner, inward, inner power within yourself where you feel peaceful, content, um, just loving, and, and being in a presence of totally satisfaction of who you are. And that's a really fabulous place once you get there. You know, I it really is fabulous once you get there. And I look at this, and I think a lot of people can relate because whether the rejection or sense of abandonment happened when they were younger or when they're older, um, the pattern is the same. And that sense of self-worth is everything. As you say, I, I think early on in my life, I too looked for the affirmations. I didn't feel, I was always looking, you know, to be affirmed, be it in the workplace or relationships, just like yourself. And so this is a a really huge piece. And now I'm seeing a whole new layer of this come out, even among light workers and healers and energy workers and spiritual people who are feeling a sense of abandonment or rejection from their own biological families going on. Um, this is a big pattern because it's it's kind of the universe has gone in this direction of, okay, <laughs> I can't stay in the in the negative energy, but you know, it, I've got a you know, I, it's just a pull. You know, it's a pull for people. So I'm really glad that you brought that piece up about that. Um, and and you're just right, and, and I think what you're saying is is part of what my message is, and that is that I believe we all have soul s o u l lessons that we need to learn during our physical life here on earth, and that our environment and the the family that you're in, the situation, the environment that you live in, provides you those opportunities to learn and grow as a soul. And so what happens, you refer to the universe. 
the universe will continue to provide you opportunity to actually teach you and give you the opportunity to learn those soul lessons. Because just like yourself, as you were talking about um, families possibly rejecting a certain career path that someone might be taking, and you mentioned light workers, spiritual uh, workers, could be anything though. Um, someone that's actually tra- you know changing their debt gender. <laughs> Excuse me, you um, could have possibly have a rejection with the family. I also had uh, another opportunity later in my life where my family had become everything for me, and I loved raising my two boys. And my husband worked 60 hours a week, and our relationship had deteriorated, and we actually started to have marital struggles as well. And there was a time that he actually walked out for two weeks, and it was like, oh, my gosh. Another important man in my life just totally walked out. And his words were, I love you, but I can't live with you. And I'm like, how do you love someone and not be able to live with them? I mean, what is it? I mean, just couldn't understand how he could just be throwing me away like my father had done. But, you know, in the time that you're going through, you're crushed. You're, you're devastated. I was crumbling. I was felt terrible about myself and how could I change myself? The first thing I want to do is what can I do to be different to make them want to stay? And that just creates more disharmony within yourself, but it's what we instinctively want to do. But I actually, you know, my husband and I have reunited and everything is fine, but, and sometimes that doesn't happen and sometimes it does, but it was really now looking back, it was really a blessing in disguise for me. It was a silver lining for both my father leaving and the struggle that my husband and I went through because it allowed me to find this greater peace, this greater inner power within me. I don't need, I didn't need them to be able to sustain myself. And when you get to that realization that, first of all, these things that are happening, these struggles that are happening, they're not traumatic things. We create them to be traumatic, and they are emotional at the time. But there are opportunities for us to learn. And when you can kind of de-emotionalize and step away for a moment and look at it from that vantage point, and then later on you'll see there is really wisdom in that opportunity. And, you know, and that is a big thing because I think it is so easy for people to get wrapped up in this is happening to me, my life is horrible, everything's falling apart, and to be able to stop for a moment and go, okay, what's my opportunity here? Because there's always an opportunity, as you say, in that challenge. Um, Whatever is frustrating us, irritating us, there's always an opportunity there. And, And sometimes that's hard to see. Like you mentioned, you know, when you're in the midst of feeling all of that rejection and everything, it, it's hard to go, oh, this is an opportunity for me to gain my own self-worth. <laughs> you know, it's, um, it's not the first thing on our mind in that process. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's a, big, it's a big piece in there. So that and, is- and actually, it's almost counterproductive. Um, it's what you think you're supposed to be feeling and what you are feeling it's actually what you need to say, I don't need to feel this way. It's actually the bait. It's when you're fishing, it's actually the bait that you're trying to do the opposite. And we can go into an example of this, but um, 
actually my husband found me to be more desirable when I, instead of trying to turn in what he wanted me to be or what I perceived him wanted to be, when I started to feel better about myself and where I was, he liked that I was a strong, confident woman, that I wasn't, you know, I, I became more energetic within myself, more passionate, compassionate, and what I emitted out to the world was a different me than when I was unhappy. So I encourage everyone, when you're struggling with a situation, a situation and emotion that you're dealing with, to actually look at that and say, is this a factual emotion? Yes, you're feeling it, but is it is it justified? Is it your perception? Is it um, of someone interacting with you that is in error? Is it a false belief that you took on when you were very young that you permeated throughout your life and continue to use those same templates even in the current day? And that often, often, often is the case. I I agree because I've, in a lot of my growth and, and working on myself, I've often looked back and, you know, I never realized until I would start doing the work so to say, start start walking the path, how much came out of that childhood time frame and the programmings that we don't even realize are there a lot of times that, that show up and it's like, oh. <laughs> and then I look back and go, okay, where did some of this start? Where? Oh, yeah, I remember this patterning coming through. And it's, um, I think in this work you really have to get when, you, when you're tapping into the power within, and I agree because I've had the same experience, it's something that I work with all the time with people that they've got to find their own self-confidence, their own self-worth. It's not about changing who they are for somebody else. Um, if that person's right for them, they're going to like them for who they really are. And it's the confidence. And, and that's, I've brought that out in relation in my relationship work is, that, you know, people wonder, well, why is that girl who's so superficial, who's, you know, doesn't care about anything, is getting all the guys? Well, she's got all the confidence in a lot of ways. You know, she, she displays herself very confidently. Um, not that it's genuine always, but, you know, she displays herself with a certain confidence. It's the same sort of thing. If we walk in with a certain level of confidence, then we're going to bring that back to us, I would say, and um, and that comes into to, to having that connection, I would say, in with the inner power, as you put it, and and maybe you can explain more about what that inner power really is. I, I can, but I want to just bring up the word confidence and the confident person you just talked about. That so we all can remember back in high school. The one, the woman, I'll say girl because we're both girls here. The woman who is got all the guys, like you said, are all the interaction, are very expert. And, you know, you think she's got everything on her plate. She's well liked, she's in the right group. Oh my gosh, you know, she's beautiful, blah, 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 blah. And so we think, we perceive, everyone looking upon that, that she is totally self confident. And I will beg to differ. Because what happens is we are all different individuals. Now, that girl could have had a twin sister in the same identical environment growing up. And both her parents could have said to them and taught them, you know, parents talk, children are quiet, you know, they could not have been, they might have been in a really great house, 
household, you know, were fed and had a shelter and taken care of well, but maybe the parents weren't really good at listening to their emotional needs. And we're told, you know, adults talk, you, you children are quiet. And so one person, their perception is, I'm going to become quiet, I'm going to become the wallflower, I'm going to feel I'm not enough, no one wants to hear what I'm saying. That's her personality. That's how she took it in. That's her defense mechanism. Because she actually wanted, everybody wants to succeed and wants to thrive as a body. Your, your goal is to, to exist, okay? Your body's built that way. So this one person, we'll say child A, ends up becoming the introvert. The child B, same family, they're twins. This particular child is, I'm going to rebel. I'm not going to do what my parents say. I'm not going to be quiet. I'm going to become loud and boisterous, and I'm going to let everyone hear my voice. And so you perceive that she is very strong and articulate. But inside, she's really screaming at the top of her lungs, please pay attention to me. Because inside, she is very unhappy because no one really knows who and what and how she feels. And so that's it's very really interesting. Good, Go ahead, Jesse. And I was just going to say, and that's such a good point because it shows that that insecurity or that same pattern can manifest in these different forms. It's not just like, okay, you didn't get attention, so you're always in the background. Um, it has different ways that it shows itself, is what you're saying. Absolutely. And the same person, let's continue on as their life goes on. Because they, they each took on a defense mechanism. They each took on a wound that they perceived and they decided how to create that wound within themselves. Because remember, until you're the age of eight, you really are, don't have a consciously mature way to integrate information. And if you look at Dr. Lipton's work, he talks extensively about this as well as other resources. Elizabeth Noble is another one. But um, So your mind, again, is that porous sponge. So you're taking in information, and everyone is unique and different, and we take in our own information. And we decide how are we going to survive with this pain, and we create a, there's a wound there, and we create a wall, a barrier to protect ourselves so we don't hurt so much anymore. And so now this child A has grown through high school, college, marriage maybe, working in the career world, and she's still this employee who's the quiet person who does what is asked of her, and she just is content. But inside she struggles with, you know, I still have never been able to sing my song or I just feel like there's more to life. And her boss is saying to her when she does her performance reviews, Mary, I would love to have you, for example, you know, take on a leadership role. I'd love to have you go and present this at such and such a meeting. And she goes, oh, no, I couldn't do that. I'm not comfortable. But, see, that's the universe providing an opportunity for her to finally speak, to have her work, to have this opportunity. And so it's actually stepping into and this is one of the terms I use, stepping into what is uncomfortable, where you will actually find your greatest reward. So, for example, this child A, her sole lesson is that she needs to see value in herself, to not be quiet anymore, to be able to express herself, to see that she has value and content that is important to the world, 
and that when she realizes that, that's her goal here as a soul on earth, that then she'll be able to actually be able to do her soul work that she's supposed to do and was born to do in this world. And so she can either choose. We have that free will you talked about earlier on. I have a free will. Do I stay submissive, stay in the discontent and um, sublime role that I've been playing, or do I step into something new, into this this part of challenge and opportunity and growth, and even a fear, fearful situation because it's uncomfortable for you, where you're going to see the greatest reward. So that would be child A. Child B's soul lesson would be, you know, you've been ranting and raving your whole life, trying to get attention. And why are you trying to get attention? And so that particular child, and as we grow and evolve through our journey, hopefully you've seen through your life that, you know, I'm I'm this really loud boss. You know, I yell and tell people what they're going to do. I might say politely, you know, please and thank you and all that stuff. But I still have to exert my authority and my power. And so what happens, they're exerting their power. You know, we've all heard about bullies in schools and, you know, shootings and this. And it's all about exerting power because they have no power within themselves. And so their potential lesson, so a lesson would be that your power is inside you. You don't have to exert power upon others to find power within And so it is through this type of work that I do and help people to understand what their soul lessons are that once you can clarify it and articulate that soul lesson, then you can say, okay, I'm not going to run away from this anymore. I'm going to take this on. And when you take it on, and it's fun, let me tell you, it's really fun. When you realize what it is you're taking on, you see it happen all around you. You'll say, oh, my gosh, I'm going to stop it right now. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to continue this pattern of behavior and thought process and emotions. And then your life will change in every aspect of your life. That's a really powerful place to be. And I think that a lot of people spiral around trying to figure out what their soul lesson is <laughs> and go, exactly. I don't have a clue. How do, how do I figure that out? What do I do? How do I get there? So how does somebody get there? How do they figure out what that soul lesson is? Well, like I said, it's a little counterintuitive in that it's actually opposite of what you think. And and so what I would first encourage people to do is to really first just close your eyes and take a moment and say, what is the first memory that comes back to you that probably has played in your mind over and over at different times in your life that you can recall? And just think on that moment. For me, it was my father leaving and and how that impacted me. That was one of my biggest ones. Everyone has one. And I would encourage you to write that down on a piece of paper. And when we do this, I like to, in my book and when I talk with my classes and teach, I actually say you become the private investigator of your own life. That means you're not living it. You're looking at it from a private investigator. Outside, taking your camera, you know, taking notes and you're examining it. So you're, you know, like a psychiatrist or a psychologist, they'll ask you to relive the the negative experience. I don't do that. You don't have to relive it. You've relived it all your life. (laughs) And what has happened is changed and changed and kind of morphed in that time, and your emotions and your mental thought processes of it are totally distorted. They're not even factual anymore. 
So I encourage you just to think upon the moment, the memory, and write down what it was, who were the people involved, and write down what is their play in it. You know, were they, you know, um, disengaging? Were they threatening? Were they yellers? Were they physically harmful? Were they abusive verbally? There's many, you know, alcoholic and didn't give you the attention. Anything and everything, you write it down. Your soul wants to express its feelings, so it will help you write. And, again, you're not reliving them. So, you know, as much as you're going to have emotional ties to it, it's just writing it down from a more biased, unbiased um, position. And so then you want to look at this is the feeling. Write down the feeling word. What is the feeling that you have, the emotion? So for me it was abandonment. He just left me. I wasn't good enough. How could he just leave me? I was like trash, you know, never to be in my life at all. And so it was like, did he tell me I was trash? No. Did he say I don't care about you? No. But it was my perception that created all those feelings. So I would encourage you as you start to look back and you have this memory, what was your perception? Because, and you mentioned this with um, the, the resource that you asked people to contemplate before we actually started the interview, and that is I'm all about empowering the individual because I believe we create who we are, the good and the bad. And so by doing this, I'm giving you empowerment, accountability, ownership, responsibility. And you are right, Jesse. Many people don't want to do this. They don't want to take on this accountability. But you are responsible for you, and no one else is. If you allow Mr. X outside of you to to infiltrate your space, then that's you allowing it to happen. So you're the one that's responsible for what happens to you. And you are right also, we shouldn't be responsible for everyone else. That's their journey. But you really have to find the power within yourself to realize that you are empowered to make the changes, to see the the lessons that the opportunities present themselves with. So when when you can identify the emotion that you felt with that particular memory, you can say, okay, this was my feeling I took on. This was my emotion. This is my belief. And then what I did because I was hurting, this is my defense that I incorporated for it so that I could survive, so that I could mask the pain. And when you write all those components down, then you've got to say, okay, great. So have I been continuing to think these same thoughts from X years old throughout my life? Did it happen in high school? Have I seen this in my career? Have I seen this in the way my children look upon me or my sister, my siblings, anybody, my boss? Is this the same type of behavior that I emit, E-M-I-T, almost like a deodorant, you know, your body odor? Is this what you emit out to the world? And if it is, then you're going to get that same type of energy back. If I'm unhappy with myself, then should people look upon me and see something different than what I see? And my answer is no. The world is a mirror to your, upon yourself. So what you present to the world, it will also be reflected back to you. 
and this is a I think that's a really great explanation of how several things come together and several things work in our lives. Um because wherever we do have that pain, there is going to be a coping mechanism. There is going to be some way we adapt with it. And there are so many people that do spiral around looking for somebody else to be accountable and responsible for them. And as long as we're doing that, we're always going to be disappointed. We're going to feed our own pattern of unworth in that sense, like, look, I'm not even worthy of them (laughs) doing this for me or caring for me in the way I don't even care for myself. Uh, It's a huge, it's a huge piece. And to say, you know, these are the actions that happen that I remember. And even if they're true, even if what you're perceiving is true, in a sense that's almost irrelevant Because, again, we need to bring it back, if I'm understanding you correctly, we need to bring it back to ourselves and say, okay, so this happened, this was my perception of it. It may or may not have been the truth and what the other person was feeling, thinking, whatever. Um, And this is how I chose to cope with it. And this is how it's still playing out in my life today. So, you know, I think that... um, as you mentioned, that key of accountability. And I think this is hard because I don't think, you know, we can sit there and say self-worth and, and uh, like if somebody asked me, you know, do you, have, do you think you have strong self-worth? And, and I could say, yeah, I think I do have pretty strong self-worth. But if I really start breaking it down, I can definitely see the chinks in that self-worth. And maybe other people don't see them, but I do. And it provides the answers. From what I can see, it provides some of the answers to maybe why something isn't working out in our life or why something isn't flowing. You know, if we're, if we're doing all the other steps, <laughs> you know, we're, we're, we're not doing things in Mercury retrograde or we're, you know, we're following all the steps, so to say, and there's still that things happening, then somewhere there's a chink there. You know, somewhere there's, there's a piece there. That this is still playing out. Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah. And yeah. and what happens, unfortunately, too, the more you negate or ignore these opportunities of growth, because that's what you're here as a soul to learn and to grow from. So it's like you know, someone initially knocks on the door, you know, quietly knocks to wake up the baby because you're a little child, and then um, you might not hear the noise, you know, might not hear the knock. And as you get older, they knock a little louder. The universe knocks and presents a little more often. And then the more you ignore all these little opportunities, which even are struggles at times, they become louder and louder and intensified because the earth is shaking, trying to get your attention. And we've all heard sometimes you have to be knocked down to the floor when you are so, you know, so out of control of your life. That's where you find the greatest. I can get up again, and I can try. You know, I can survive. But my my hope is that you don't have to be knocked so far down to have to climb back up. And by using these tools and understanding where you are and not become the victim, but become the victor. Not because you have to win the race, but because it is it is your journey. And And just to be able to find this piece of, you know, 
I can just accept what is going on today, because that's all there really is, right? We can never relive the past, and we can never live in the future. We only have the moment. We've all heard, oh, live in the moment. And that sounds so easy, doesn't it? But it really isn't. But even those of you that are listening... But even for those of you listening on this call today, you are in this moment. Now, how many of you are thinking about, oh, i got to cook dinner tonight, or i got to go pick up the children, or, oh, whatever, or you had an argument with somebody yesterday and you're really still feeling angry about it. You're not really engaged in the moment within this call. So when you start to learn to really enjoy and be in the moment and touching other people's lives and touching your own life in that spirituality way, you start to resonate and energetically be in a different space, in a different place of happiness and harmony. Yes. Have you felt that way, Jesse? Yes, yes, because there's so much that we miss in that multitasking process, and we get very panicked in the sense that I've got to I've got to multitask. I otherwise I won't get everything done. You know, there's this panic that. And and that comes back to a lot of self-worth patterns. And when you were talking, I was thinking, you know, hmm, I've I've communicated with a lot of spiritual people trying to bring their work out into the world, and and I tend to coach a lot of coaches. (laughs) That's one of the things that happens for me. So, you know, I, I can bring this in, but it applies to everybody, whether they're a coach or whether they're going and working in a profession or whatever it is. And... Um, you know, there's an aspect, for example, with coaches that I see a lot where they go, okay, I'm really comfortable with what I'm putting out. I'm really confident about what I have to share and the information and this and that, but people aren't showing up. And I, I, as you're talking, I'm going, hmm, okay, well, there's a piece there that we can feel confident about maybe what we have to share still may not feel worthy of people showing up in our life or afraid of them to show up in our life because of these patterns. <coughs> so, you know, that, that really kind of went, oh, aha, yes. Um, because if we're not feeling worthy of people showing up, it doesn't matter how much, how great what we have to offer is, <laughs> in a sense. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. <laughs> and I think I that's true a- with, I think that's true with relationships. If we look at it, you know, not in the coach's level, but in the aspect of everyday life where people are always looking for a partner in life. And, you know, they, they might think, well, I have all this really great stuff to offer a partner, but they might not be feeling worthy of having that partner in their life that they're seeking. Exactly, and that is a really awesome connection. And I have two things to say about that that I think is so so relevant. One is that if I, because my father left, okay, I felt that I was rejectionable. You know, I was able to, people didn't want me. They would abandon me. There was always that risk. So there was an energy or a belief that I would be abandoned again in the future. So is those my thoughts actually what caused the unrest with my, my husband? Did I actually create the same fear that I feared to begin with? So there's that commonality there because, again, it's the energetic imprint of what you experience. 
manifest in what you've absorbed as that sponge that you actually create in your life. And I have on my wall right now uh, a beautiful part of a poem uh, of prayer, actually, by Marianne Williamson. And it speaks to this. And I'm just going to say two little sentences of it. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. I should, I'm sorry, the very first part is, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. So it is actually when you realize that you are powerful and you have a special thing you're supposed to do in this world and to have your presence be known and shown, that that is where we're the most scared. Because and, it's showing you become vulnerable. Yes. And and I think that there is a lot of fear behind that and a lot of subtle fears from fear of being that great, fear of being watched, being judged, being I mean there's a there's a whole ton of them that go with that. Uh embracing the power because you can't necessarily embrace the power and not get noticed, <laughs> especially in this world today, because, you know, it's like if there's darkness everywhere and you're a light, guess what? You're going to get noticed. And so I think there's a huge fear that goes with that um, success there. So, so tell us a little more about this aspect of being powerful and and tapping into this because I I came up with a thing because a while back I did a show with Lorraine Cohen and we were talking about power <laughs> and so many people were struggling with that word power and being powerful and and you see so many people go oh we can't be that way if we're human beings we can't we can't be powerful that's that's only God's thing sort of thing and I I came up with this thing that. Uh, from power, I, I was playing with words from, you know, Sharita Starr plays with words and she, she does these sort of anagram types of things. Then I was playing around with the word of power. I go, well, let me see what's really in power and what that that energy is about. And I came up with this. We're a rope aboard that without this power are poor. In other words, our uh, power is our fibers of divine strength. The ore is the golden light, and that's the divine strength. We are of the divine, and without accepting that, we consist of these fibers of divine strength. We have nothing and are nothing. To to accept this is also, to not accept this, excuse me, is also to not accept that we come from this. It's a pretty intense thing. That's beautiful, um, Jess. I love that. Really gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah, it, it and I right so agree. I so agree. I so agree with you. That yeah. you know, I think it's. A, I think people are afraid of power, and I, I'd like to just kind of define power. I think, and even myself, um, initially, I think people think of power as someone that's loud, that has made a, a huge influence and impact, um, shows a lot of strength visible strength. I don't think we see power as a, a soft, subtle, um, more um, non-tangible way. Um, but power, you know, you can have some of the strongest power and never have it be seen. 
um, an earthquake, you know, there's rumbles under the the different mantles of the earth that we never see, and there's so much power there. The the stress, the pressure that we put on different parts of our soil actually is so powerful and creates diamonds. Um, so there's a lot of power that we never see, and that you don't have to be loud and visible necessarily to be powerful. And that when I speak of power within you, that doesn't mean power where you're trying to overpower others. The power within you is a place of being, of divine essence, that you are totally harmonious with you and whatever religious um, word that you want to use, you know, whether you are in harmony with your creator, the universe, God, Ali, whomever you speak of, um, or just a, a special essence, an energy. Um, I'm not here to try to convert anyone to my religion. I do believe in um, the divine, I believe in God, but I'm not here to try to teach you that. What I'm trying to say is everyone needs to be harmonious and in connection to who they feel and connect with. And when you find that you're in harmony with who you are as an essence within yourself, the divine greatness, not that you're perfect. We're not perfect. We will never be perfect. But to even to love your imperfections and to be one with yourself, that is this inner power of grace that you receive. And when you're in this space, it doesn't really matter what anyone else says to you about you. You can listen to their comments. It's relevancy in what they're saying. I choose. I have free will. They're just saying it because they're jealous. Or, yes, maybe I was over-emotional, and it's my choice whether I decide to take that information or not. But you become in a place of being able to consciously, in the mind, articulate and evaluate, is that information that you're perceiving or um, attaining by an external force, is it relevant? Is it compatible with what you believe and know is to be true? And when we start to use our own metric system, and I think this is really powerful, that when you become comfortable with who you are and know this space, then your metric of value is your own metric of value. Because if I, for example, Jesse, if I had you determine what my value is based on your metric system, which who knows where your metric system came from because you came from a family and your wounds and where you are emotionally today are going to be different for tomorrow. And why should I allow you to decide how to value me at this moment? Exactly. It it totally makes no sense at all, but we do this, every one of us do this all the time. We do. It's it's Uh, really amazing. I think this is one of the big things that is programmed into us. You know, you've got to be a certain way. You've got to have certain things to be acceptable in society. Um, You know, there's all kinds of pieces there. You know, you've got to go to certain places. You've got to dress a certain way. There's all kinds of things that we look outside of ourselves for. And instead of saying, yeah, but is that really me? Am I really meant to go to college? Am I really meant to take a trade profession? Am I really meant to do this? Is that what I choose? And that choice is a huge thing, I think. And and to me, I feel like 
being powerful or tapping into the power within has a lot to do with how connected we are or how connected, I I should say, how connected we choose to be. Um, Because when we're connected, we're going to be powerful. When we're connected with God, the divine, whatever word you want to use, you can't help but be powerful. And you're meant to be powerful. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you, your world will exponentially unfold in front of you. I have miracles that happen every day almost. I mean, literally, a profound one. I mean, unbelievable. And, you know, I think I'd like to just um, bring something up. I had never shared this with anyone else because it just happened within the last day and a half on Facebook. I posted a, um, a post that said and asked for people to help me out. I wanted to get some data because part of my book is dealing with emotions, which it's really perceptions, however our emotions are affected. And what I asked was, which of these emotions has the strongest negative implication on you? And the five choices were anger, guilt, hopelessness, resentment, and victimization. And within two minutes after posting that, I got constantly beep, 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 beep. And all these people started commenting, responding, answering this quiz. And it went over almost 50,000 people in reach in a day and a half. Well, Actually, within a day, already 48,000. And I spent hours collecting all the data because I needed to get the data. What, what were people picking, A, B, C, or D, or E? So as you're listening, this, um, listeners, what would you have picked? Anger, guilt, hopelessness, resentment, or victimization? And as you pick, I'm going to tell you what the results were as of this morning. So the top two were anger, hopelessness. Those are the top two. Anger was at 304, and hopelessness was 295. And then the others fell below that. They were in about the 150s each. And so I guess my question would be to people is, why are we so angry? Why does anger devastate us? And what are we angry about? And that's, again, becoming harmonious with who we are. We're angry because what we're doing, what we're thinking, what we're feeling is totally in contrast to who we are, what, we're soul, what our soul is, what our soul essence is. And that when you feel this anger and disconnect, you feel a sense of hopelessness because you feel like i got to be that hamster on the hamster wheel. I'm going to go out and I'm going to pick up the kids at school. I'm going to make my supper. I've worked my eight hours, and now it's 9 o'clock at night, and i got to go to bed, and everything starts again tomorrow. Is this the schedule? Is this the type of living that I feel like my heart is singing? Yes or no? Maybe it is, because I loved it when I was raising my children. But there came a time I said there's more to than just this. Um, so the question is, is finding that unrest that you have within you and, and discerning what is it and that hopelessness is a, a terrible state of being where you have to ask yourself, how did I get myself here? And there is never a time of being totally hopeless because, again, that's your choice to be in that space. And And I would imagine out of those five things that you posted, that that plays right back into the formula that you gave. Um, Again, hopelessness oftentimes playing right into our self-worth and those judgments about ourselves. Uh, 
you know, if you have these patterns, for example, like you had of abandonment and different things like that early on in life, uh, it would be very easy to establish a hopeless pattern. Um, you know, not only am I not worthy or not wanted, but, you know, a sense of it doesn't matter what I do, these people aren't going to like me anymore. Exactly. And, you know, it wasn't just those two situations in my life. I can give you little ones, little, little things. I would be walking down the sidewalk with my husband and two sons, who are now both the 30, 28, and 30. And in my mind, the three guys would be in the front talking, and I would be behind them in the sidewalk. And I would, in my mind, this is my perception, no one articulating this to me, but in my mind, I was saying, well, look at that. That's pretty inconsiderate of those three guys. See, they think I'm a second-class citizen. I'm behind them. Now, they didn't say that, but I felt it. And that was my perception. And, it, of course, it went right back to three men. It's a masculine thing in this. This is a masculine energy that um, I'm feeling not equal to a man, you know, that they can discard me or put me behind. But that's all my past still coming into the present moment. So, even those little subtleties continue to infuse the present moment, which you're then, which I started to say to myself, well, that's ridiculous, Cindy. You know, just go up and go right in between them and just hug their arm and get involved in their conversation, which then I started to do. And I said, don't become the victim and stay behind them. Be engaging and go up and, and, and engage yourself in a conversation. So we have to activate. We have to create action plans, and that's what I do with my life coaching. And um, and I do like coaching, group coaching, which is a little more economical, too. If you want, you can look at my website. But these are the things that help you create action steps that you can change being the victim. You have that choice. And it's really invigorating. When you, when you can actually see it in front of you and hear in your mind when it happens, you're like, stop. And this is one of the tools I teach in my book and my classes. It's called Stop, Look, and Listen. We've all heard of stop, drop, and roll for when you're on fire, right? Well, mine is stop, look, and listen. So what that means is when, you, when you're getting a mental image in your mind and you're not feeling good about it, it's a negative or a condescending thought, stop. Even say to yourself, if you, you know, inside or verbally, just stop. And you don't go there because, first of all, assess it. Is it a true threat? You know, if you're being stalked from behind and you have to run because you're fear of your life, then you go run. But if you're thinking someone's behind you because you just have a poor self-esteem or you think that you walked into a room and everyone's laughing at you, well, someone could have just told a great joke, but you perceive it as they're laughing at you. You have to say, were they really laughing at me or is it my vulnerability, insecurities that makes me think they were laughing at me? And so what you're doing, you stopped yourself, and now you're looking at it. You're looking at the scenario. Is it a true statement? Is it a true feeling that you're feeling? And then you're listening. You're listening to your soul, your, in, your intuition, and you're processing it. Is this a factual thing, or how should I really intervene? And so those are just really, it seems really simple, but it makes it in the moment. You're now dealing with the moment, the now. And you're consciously not thinking about an old memory, an old behavior pattern that you've taken on and assumed the rest of your life. You're now just saying, 
I choose not to act that way or think that way or feel that way. And that this is the way I'm going to act and I'm going to react and, and feel about it. And so that's just one very simple little tool that you can use to help you stop the same cycle, the same repetitive patterns that you've used throughout your life. And, you know, it's very interesting that you're bringing this up because I had a little fluke of my show last week, and, and we redid the show yesterday. And and the stop, look, and listen was part of that exact same <laughs> thing they were talking about yesterday. And... Uh, you know, but you kind of clarified it in the sense of when we're looking at it's uh, <clears throat> it's really an aspect of looking at is this the truth? What is actually happening here? And and it may be that somebody was laughing at you, and if that's the case, then that's, there's a different approach. I mean, I had that experience recently. I was at a laundromat washing up all my stuff, and you know, I I. I guess I made a comment or something just about, oh, I guess I won't do this or I won't use the restroom because of this or something like that. And and all of a sudden I became the bunt of everybody's joke that was in there. And, mm. you know, it was awkward because here I am dealing in compassion <laughs> and here these people are. I felt like, you know, I felt like I was back in grade school or high school and everybody was making fun of me, and it was like, oh, my gosh. And, you know, I just kind of stepped back from the whole situation. I thought, how strange for me to experience that, you know, and, the, and that trigger. And just as you're talking, I'm seeing these different things. And, you know, I didn't believe it. It was, you know, I kind of just wrote it off like, you know, here's some people they they had their own stuff going on. I knew the one person did based on some phone conversations they were having and, you know, they needed someplace else to project their energy on. Um, you know, so I, I did have to get into it. And, and even in that situation, I could say, okay, yeah, in a sense they were picking on me, but were they really picking on me? No, they really probably had this other thing going on in their life and they needed to vent somewhere or put their attention on somebody else for a while or something. So, you know, it may not even been so much about me uh, in that or process. Was the universe actually, or was the universe actually presenting a scenario for you to further grow and not become the victim that they're picking on you? And so you would have to look back in your past. Is that a pattern that you've always felt that people have judged you, maybe falsely judged you, and that that is that some aspect that you're still trying to work on as a soul. Remember, you know, when we go to school, you know, high school or, you know, when you finally get to pick which curriculum you're taking, you know, whether you're taking math or history or what type of history, think of it this way. When you came into the earth, you already had chosen what your curriculum was going to be. So, for example, the story you just said, maybe your curriculum that you're learning in this lifetime is, you're not going to pick on me anymore. And so you're still on chapter four, and there's ten more chapters to go. I don't know. I'm just taking a parallel here. But the point is is that we all have a curriculum that we're learning, and it's our opportunities that present themselves, often in struggles, often where you feel uncomfortable and emotional. That is where that is the framework. That is the stage front. That's the classroom that you're learning that curriculum in. 
It's very interesting. And I could say that you're very accurate about that because at the time that that happened, I was in a space of feeling like I was the victim of circumstances. I don't tend Mm -hmm. to be a person who sits around and has a pity party. That's not me. (laughs) Um, I'm always like, why am I this way? What's going on? What you know, and I do a lot of that. But I do have my times too. And it was a time where a lot of things were crashing down on me at one time. And, you know, I just, I felt like I hadn't even poked a hole in the rubble. And more was crashing down on me. Um, so I was kind of coming out of one of those times. So I could definitely see where I was in that space of feeling that I was a victim. And, and you know, and it, Jesse, I want to just say, I think it's so wonderful what you're sharing because it, it gives it a very um, active. Jesse and I have never talked about this. She's sharing something that's very, um, very current. I, I have no idea what, you know, she was saying here. So this is very similar to your listeners as you're starting to hear things. But what I want to say to Jesse is, if I may, Jesse, is that um, you're, first of all, what haven't you been able to survive in your life? Can you name me one thing? Because you're here. And so like you said, everything that might be tumbling down on you right now, and we all have different times in our life where we do get tumbled down on. Nobody is um, absent from that feeling, okay? But we have all made it to our present moment now. So if you're here, you've made it. You survived everything. And we can always go back and look, I wish I did it this way. I wish I maybe had more strength here or had more compassion here or whatever, more voice, less voice. We can always value and judge what we could have done different. But the point is that we all are strong enough to bear anything that is coming down on us. And even in this place of hopelessness, of this heavy weight that you're bearing, you and us and them and everybody, we all have our moments of feeling this heavy weight that remember, and this is the glint of hope, that you, you will get through this. Because in five years, looking back at this moment, you're going to say, yeah, it was crappy. It was really awful, maybe. It was devastating, whatever. That, you know what, I, I, I made it through it. So if you can just look at that at the moment now and say, if I was looking back at this in five years, I know I'm going to make it through this. Then I'm not going to be so overwhelmed. I'm not going to be so emotional and so devastated because I will survive this. I know it. I know it in my essence. I know it in my heart and soul. I know that my my creator, God, whomever, is going to be there with me. I know without a doubt that I will continue on. And, And so when you know that and you believe that, then the present moment, however difficult it might be, doesn't seem as difficult. Yes. And so then what you want and then what you want to say to yourself, how can I make this less difficult for me? Is it, am I making it more difficult for me? Am I running away? Am I avoiding um, settling down? Am I avoiding the job that's being offered? Am I avoiding conflict? Am I I don't know, whoever, you know, everybody addressed it on their own part. I'm not just talking to you, Jesse, I'm talking about anybody with any of those comments. You know, what is it that you're avoiding or running away or fearing? that's creating or adding to the stress. And, of course, there's, there's medical issues, you know, there's health issues. 
And that's a whole different component being a Reiki master that I believe there are connections with our what is happening emotionally and through the mental process and how that affects us energetically. And the longer that those energies are dysfunctional, impacted, then eventually you'll get physical illnesses, physical symptoms, and that's another whole component. But, um, you know, I, I don't know if that helped clarify that situation or not for you, Jesse, and for the listeners. Well, I, I think so, and I think what you're presenting here, too, there's a very important connection for people to make here, in my opinion, and that is that you can be born under a certain astrological sign or with certain coding or all of those types of things that might very well be inherent or a gene that creates a certain physical disability or whatever it is for you. Um, But it doesn't mean that you have to totally buy into that's how life is going to be. So, for example, I might be coded with energy that is prone to draw people in who are going to deceive me, (laughs) who are going to betray me, whatever the case is. But what you're saying is to look at those things and say, okay, I have these things perhaps in me. I have such and such a physical issue going on. For example, I deal with lapsing, relapsing, multiple fluoresces. I deal with... um, systemic lupus erythematitis. Uh, I I deal with a lot of different things that I've overcome in my life. Those are two of the big ones. And yet, what is their purpose? Their purpose is to help me find work. Their purpose is to help me stop being a victim to things. Um, You're offering a way of looking at the, the situations that we deal with that make us feel that way and and saying, okay, here's here's what I'm really working on. Here's what I really need to do. We talk about success, and many of us think, oh, no, I'm not afraid of success. I'm not afraid of getting that attention. But if we really delve into it, there might be a piece there. Like, you know, I'm for example, when I was younger, I lived in L.A., and I wanted to model – I thought, oh, my gosh, you know, I, I've got the looks. I've got, <laughs> what, you know, what it takes. But there was a piece of me that said, I don't want to give up my privacy. And if I become a celebrity and I become really successful, I'm not going to have any privacy because I'm going to have to have a bodyguard. And there's always going to be people with cameras trying to poke into my windows. And so there were some very you know, big fears that kept me from pursuing that uh, aspect of life. Well, recently I was putting some of those pieces together. I said, you know, when I go in and I work places a lot of times, I want my little space and I want to sit down and work. And here comes my little piece up that goes, okay, I want my space. (laughs) I don't want people to bother me. But when I put that energy out, then it's, it also tends to block people coming to me for business. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to take, take a little step on that. And so I put a sign up on the back of my computer about the work I'm doing now. 
and and it just says, you know, code insights and, you know, your name says everything, what's in your name? And you know what? I'm getting people that, that are looking at it, that are paying attention, and it's, and it's kind of different because in one sense it's like all of a sudden I'm getting this attention that I've never really had in my life <laughs> on this whole different level. And I'm, I'm not out there trying to approach people going, hey, look at me, hey, look at me. But in another sense, I am. And people are coming up and it's stimulating some of the most amazing conversations. I've received invitations to stay at people's houses that are on three or four acres of land. I've uh, had people come up and just start to strike up, and it's starting to bring in business for me. Just because That's I great. made now, myself available. Right. But if I was your coach, what I would be right now saying the connection, just to connect the dots. Um, Steve Jobs um, did a uh, graduation um, speech at Stanford, and it was he talked about later at the end of his life, if I connected my dots to my past, I would feel like, oh, wow, I wish I knew that back then and how it was all part of the template. So what I heard from you, just certain words, and I always feel my, my clients, my students, my patients, that they will give me what I need for details to put the pieces, help them put the pieces together. So what I initially heard is you're this beautiful potential model information person who is, you know, would be very viewed, but you didn't want to be out there because that was potentially posed people judging you, and you also would be under the microscope or under the camera's eye, and you didn't want that um, being picked on. I'm going to use the word from the previous conversation just because they're kind of tied because it's it's a matter of looking upon something differently. And so that when you started feeling um, more recently trying to step into that space of like, I'm going to be more comfortable about giving myself out there, letting people see me, being more visible. Um, and I think that's a key part, the visibility, the vulnerability, that then what's happening right in front of you as you go across the country doing your work, which is so powerful, that more people are coming to you in these very profound ways. And so by you opening up and showing yourself more visibly, you are actually stepping into your soul lesson which is seeing yourself as a beautiful person that you are. So you limited yourself by saying, I didn't want to be the model. But that was actually, this is the magic part, that was actually the, the, the universe talking and creating the, creating the wounds, creating the persona, the thing that now you have to overcome again to see this great, beautiful Jesse. And when you show that to the world in a visible way, in a vulnerable way, and in a beautiful, powerful way, that then the universe will provide more to you than you could ever experience and expect. Uh, absolutely. And I felt like, you know, I, I need to do something that creates some magnetic energy that's, you know, but I, yeah. I operate with this whole other level that I'm not this pushy person, and people have to come to me by choice and by will, their own free will. Mm-hmm and their mm-hmm. own desire to learn. And that's not putting a restriction on it. It's just uh, it's, it's that kind of factor where I found when I did this was how does anybody know what I'm doing if I don't give them a way to see what I'm doing? <laughs> and mm-hmm. Well, that brings, in, that brings in 
Right. And that brings in masculine energy and feminine energy. And we all have it regardless of our gender. We have both energies. And you really want balance and between both, no matter your gender. And masculine energy is when we stay in control. It's the conscious mind controlling and organizing and being very, you know, disciplined in what you're doing. Matter of fact, it's how you control who sees you, when they see you, to what extent they see you. All that's a masculine energy. The feminine energy is more the creativity, more of the expression, more of the um, sensitivity, sensibility. Um, it's, it's, and, and so let me give you an example. If someone has more excessive feminine energy, they will be the ones that are procrastinators because they would rather live in the, oh, well, I'll just get to it when I want to. I'm just going to sit here and have my cup of tea and read my book, and, and I'm going to do my work, but I'm going to just do it in a relaxed pace, and that's more feminine energy. Okay, and so they might complain, I can never get what I need done because I don't have structure, I don't have the capability, I don't have enough masculine energy to get me through what I need to do. Now, the opposite would be, and I tend to have a little more masculine energy, and I have to make a conscious effort of trying to create more of the feminine energy. So I'm about 60-40, but my masculine energy is I'm very go-to, I can get things done, I'm very organized, very emphatic, um, you know, I have very much flexibility, but I'm a problem solver. So, so you have to assess where is your, where are you functioning presently, and what other energies do you need to bring in? And by bringing them in, it allow you again to grow in your soul and to create more balance within yourself, so that you can be expressed to the world. So just well, like you said, you just like you said, Jesse, about yourself. It's interesting you bringing that in because when I looked at this whole piece and I said to myself, I said, yeah, but I'm not the person that I used to be. Mm-hmm. And I now know that I have the power and the strength to take my personal time and step away from everybody, which I didn't feel like I could do before. And I would make myself so indistinct which I think a lot of healers and coaches do along the way at some point. They try to make themselves so so service-based, so, so indisposable, call me 24-7, you know, whatever. Um, and, and, you know, I realize now that, no, I'm in a place that I'm okay with being totally open when I'm in this public space, people can ask me all the questions they want, get to know me, get to know my work, and um, and it's not about me having to go force my way so much into places. I mean, I still need to go out and meet people and greet people and things like that and make contacts, but, uh, you know, it's, it's a different vibe when you say, yeah, this is my time for people, and whenever I want to, I can take my own time. And go do my own thing. It really has been an interrupting journey, and now I've got to see the rest of it. (laughs) (laughs) With excitement, with excitement and energy and enthusiasm. I mean, that's the way you want to approach your journey, everybody. And I really encourage everyone to to stop making your journey, the moment that you're living in, as this terrible place, because the grass is not always greener on the other side. It It rarely is. And so when we can start to see, 
you know, the beauty, the silver lining, though, pearl of wisdom in every situation, which they're always there. If we start to change our perception, and I do a whole seminar on just this, your perception is your reality. And if you can perceive every situation from a different energetic, vibrant spot, I'm not saying look at through the glasses, you know, rose-colored glasses where everything is hunky-dory. I'm just saying change your perception of it. Uh, Look at it differently where it's not so overwhelming, so terrible. And if it is terrible, maybe the solution is you need to go to the right resources, you know, go to AAA or um, go to Alcoholics Anonymous or go to a homeless center if you're being battered. You know, there are many resources out there for all of us. And, and sometimes that's what you need to do, and I encourage you if you're in those situations, you should, because by doing that, you're honoring yourself, and there is nothing wrong with asking for help. We are always people that want to give to everyone. Very rarely do we ever ask for help. And, and because when we do that, we feel like we're weak, and we're giving away our power by doing that. And, and sometimes asking for help is the most powerful thing you can do. I, I really agree. I, I think that, you know, and, and for people, if they don't even know where to start, because I I myself have been in some pretty nasty spirals, and, mm. you know, I'll admit it, as, as much as I know, as far as I've come, as many tools as I have to work with, I've been in some pretty nasty spirals, which is why I understand them, and... Um, it's really hard to figure out what you're feeling. It's really hard to figure out some of these pieces at times when you're in that heavy-duty spiral. And, you know, sometimes it is just making the the slightest little shift or the slightest change. But more times than not, for me, even when I've been in those places and I'm like, I can't figure it out. (laughs) I'm so frustrated. Lo and behold, because we have tunnel vision. You know, you're, you're stuck well, in the situation. You can't see beyond the, the wall. It makes you yourself kind of stuck in the canyon. You know, you, your voice is only re- reverberating between the walls, and you just can't see the light at the end. Yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, it's like the every wall in the room that you're sitting in is mirrored and it's, you know, a two-foot-by-two-foot space. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And it's all ricocheting off of each other and magnifying and you're seeing layers of those mirrors and mirrors and mirrors. But I was going to say, you know, that's exactly when maybe one of my Facebook contacts or, you know, one of the groups that I belong to and somebody else sends something through and it's got the most amazing supportive message in it. And sometimes that's just the step is to get around some other people that are willing to go, okay, let's let's get through this or let's figure this out or let's, you know, let me just give you a hug today or whatever it is. Um, and there's always those people there. If you don't have them physically in your life, if you're in some remote area, whatever it is, those people are all over online. I know they're in my group, Spiritual Nourishment Network, right? There's lots of positive people there. Um, lots of people willing to help out. Lots of people offering little 15-minute things or 10-minute things for free, even. 
Um, and just, I, I think, you know, those blog posts that come through every now and then. So sometimes that's, that can even just be enough to create the trigger for you to get out of that spiral, I think. Oh, absolutely. And those are synchronistic events, and they don't even have to be people. They can be phone messages. They can be uh, lights turning on. They can be feathers. They can be songs that come on in the car. And you say, oh, my gosh. You know, it talks about breathing. Well, you realize you haven't been really breathing. You've been holding your breath because you've been in so much pain. Um, it's all different things. And, um, you know, please, if you all listeners, I encourage you to go to my Facebook page, too, for all the inspirational um, posts there. It's the power within Cynthia Mazzaferro, and, of course, you know, Jesse's, which is great, too, but um, it is. Those are just messages that, you know, I can't tell you how many people message me saying, that post made my day. I needed, it was like you wrote it for me. And so you're right. There's subtle messages that help you open the door. You know, we have the choice. We have the key. The three keys I talked about are really, in my book that I'm writing, is the path, healing your path, um, healing your path, empowering your presence, and I didn't say present, even though I meant present, because I think it's empowering your presence, meaning that you're empowering yourself, seeing yourself in the present moment, and then creating the future you were born to live. So it's kind of the past, the present, and the future aspects of it. But they're keys, and you all hold your own keys to the door that you choose to open. You know, you come to a fork in the road, do I take the left or the right, well, you have a choice. It's that free will, that choice. But I encourage you to go down the road that is where the, the greatest opportunity of growth is. And often that's where you're, you have to overcome the fear. You have to go outside that comfort zone and to take a leap of, leap of faith. Believe in yourself. You know you will always get to the other side. And, um, and really enjoying that process and believing in yourself. If you don't believe in yourself, who else will? You know, really see yourself as this wonderful divine being that has such tremendous capabilities, and you will not believe the miracles that will unfold in front of you because the universe will, will come up to that energy and will provide for you. And so I encourage all of you to really see that presence, see that energy within yourself, and, um, you know, stay tuned. Don't leave yet because I have an unbelievable free gift at the end of the call that you'll be getting. Um, that it's just tremendous. So, um, do you want me to talk a little bit, Jesse, about the physical connection to our emotional pain? Well, we're we're actually kind of winding down a little bit here. We we've been going at amazingly. The time has just been flying by. Um, I would love for you because we've got about seven minutes or so for me to work with mm-hmm. you here. Um, that maybe you want to share about the free offering that you have, any events you have coming up, um, any messages that you want to leave people with or a closing thought, um, you know, again, your contact information, give them all of that information if you would. Okay, great. Wonderful. Well, if you are feeling, if you are having physical problems, you know, you can contact me directly on my website. Um, which again is www.cynthia, C-Y-N-T-H-I-A. And my last name is M-A-Z, Z is in zebra twice, A, F is in Frank, E-R-R-O dot com, or the power within programs with an S dot com. Either way. Um, 
So let me tell you what I've got for you today. And um, I wanted to bring you something very special for you. And the best news is completely free. There's no strings attached. You know, you don't have to do this, and then you have to buy something later. Absolutely nothing. It's all free for you. And you can listen and participate as much as you want to do it. Um, what I've done is I've created a fabulous bundle of support, love, and healing for you. All you do is you go to my website, so the same thing, www.cynthiamazafera.com forward slash, which is a fraction sign for those that don't know what that means, free, F-R-E-E, hyphen, and then the word gift, G-I-F-T, and another forward um, slash, which is the fraction sign. If you go to that particular, it's called the URL, that link, you will receive four meditation Reiki healing circles where you will actually be participating in a guided shamanic journey during the meditation. And as a Reiki master, you will actually receive Reiki healing energy throughout the meditation. And you will have um, downloadable um, links to those meditations as well as a downloadable meditation Reiki healing guide that you will want to print out and that you will use in collaboration with the meditation. It's traumatic, it's, it's transformational, it's powerful, and you will experience great peace, solitude, this inner peace I talk about, vitality, increased energy, confidence, self-love, and healing. And so each of the tapes have different themes. The first one is loving yourself and so much more. The second one is prosperity and abundance. The third is personal growth and awakening. And the fourth one is gifts from within, self-expression, trust, and inner wisdom. So I really wanted it to be something powerful and something that you could, over a month, you know, you take one meditation per week, if you will, and listen to it a few times. Use the guide that will help tell you how to use the meditation effectively for yourself. And over a month, you'll have covered all four, and you can go through the cycle again the next month if you want. So I'm really excited to give it to you. So, again, it's um, com forward slash free hyphen gift forward slash. And I did type that in the chat room, and I wrote it down as well um, so that people would have that link. For some reason, that wasn't pulling it up completely as the full link. Uh, on there, right. people can just copy and paste it, or write it down and, and go to that. I think that's great that you're offering that. And I was just sitting here going, "Ooh, we're coming up on the full on the new moon. <laughs> what a great time to start this process, you know, to start this with the full moon and run through, you know, one a week kind of thing and and work with the moon cycles. How wonderful! Beautiful, <laughs> beautiful. Yes, that's great. That's great. And if anybody's interested, I'll be starting, um, I always start periodically um, small group life coaching programs where you get personal as well as small group um, interaction as well as private. Um, And so there's a lot to do. I speak publicly and, um, you know, I encourage you to go to my website and um, participate on my Facebook page and um, look forward to meeting many of you. Great. And and so, um, any events coming up for you, or anything along that line? Besides, um, um, I have I have about five different other um, speaking engagements on different uh, radio and um, podcasts um, as well. 
And then I will be speaking for a couple of nursing organizations in the fall, and I'm writing my book. So I'm really trying to spend a lot of time writing that book, and I need to continue to, to maintain that focus. Um, so I am available if anyone wants um, or is interested in myself speaking at their engagement. Um, my actual presentations are very interactive. I actually do a lot of energy work. We actually do um, teaching, um, a lot of tapping, um, a lot of different. I'm all about empowering the individual to take ownership. So I do not do Reiki during my my teaching classes because I teach you how to intervene and empower yourself and how to make those changes yourself. So to me, as a therapist and as an ergonomist and as a Reiki practitioner and a teacher, which is really what my distance to the world is really motivating, inspiring, and empowering you, each one of you, to take ownership and to create the life that you want to live. And that starts with loving yourself and seeing yourself as a beautiful being. I, I think that's wonderful. And I am very pro helping people be accountable and take charge of their own life. Um, Taking care of ourselves is enough. <laughs> so uh, if I can teach more people and you can teach more people to take care of themselves, that's a great thing um, in, in this world. And, you know, Cynthia, I just so appreciate you giving us your time today and your energy and your thoughts And because I think you really shared some pieces today that are going to help people with maybe some of the blocks they've been in or some of the struggles that they've been having and how to get to that space that they've been trying to get to. Um, I think you've shared a lot of wonderful information. I certainly encourage anybody who's missed any part of it to go back and catch it in the archives as well. Thank you. It's been really a wonderful talking with you, and um, I'm really excited. I hope the listeners feel that I've given them enough tools right here on the on the call where they actually can implement some of them right away. And um, life does not have to be difficult. It, it can actually be really inspiring and thrilling. And um, I encourage you all to look at that life this way. But I know as much as you and I are touching the world, Jesse, which you mentioned and I mentioned, I would like to let everyone know that you were born to touch the world in your way and that all of our pieces together make this beautiful masterpiece. And we can't see what the masterpiece is. Only our creator knows what that looks like. But each of us, when we find our soul lessons and we are actually able to overcome them, find your spiritual gifts, the gifts that are unique to you, and let your heart explode and allow your passions to be unyielded. That's when you will touch the world the way you're supposed to do it. And your heart will just I be think so that's joyous. wonderful, yeah. and and a puzzle is definitely a great analogy because are you there, Jesse? Because I can't hear anything right this moment. And if I could see what makes me blind. I would soar to the edge of my mind And to touch what seems unreal Just to show you the way that I feel And we are in time with time 
Your spiritual heart 